0: And to everyone, can we put our hands together and give the Lord a praise? God bless all of you for your presence this morning, and it is indeed a blessing to be back in the sanctuary of God for um, this day of uh, worship and the Word. And how many of you happy, you actually happy to be here this morning? Um, Before I um, take my text and before we pray, I just want to take the time to thank uh, Pastor Dale uh, For this opportunity to minister the word and we love him and Miss Jill um, So very much and we just appreciate all that they mean to us here at Grace Point. So let's give them some love this morning And to the great um, staff here. I want us to give Pastor Johanna some love. She is such a hard worker and we love her and we appreciate her and we're praying for Pastor David and Pastor um, Teresa during this time and and to the elders and, and, and all of you who serve in this church. We want you to know that we love you and we appreciate what you do. In order for the ministry to keep moving forward and I'm I'm glad I'm glad to be pastor's point man (laughs) that he knows who to call on because I have a black phone and a red phone (laughs) and when pastor needs me he calls the red phone (laughs) and so God bless you all this morning I I did bring some copies um, of my book and those of you that have purchased the book this year thank you so much for your purchase. I hope you've been reading. I hope it's been a blessing to you. And those of you that um, have not um, purchased it, we do have it on the um, table um, in in the foyer uh, once service um, is over. where you may have an opportunity to receive it and be blessed. All right, let's go to Luke chapter um, 15. And I want to read through these verses uh, very quickly. Verses 17 through 24. Um, Luke chapter 15, verses 17 through 24. And I want to entitle today's message, Love Brought Me Back. Love Brought Me Back. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verses 17 through 24. And the Word of God reads, it says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be married. For this, my son was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. Father, we thank you today for the power of your word, for we know that it is the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing, and that the words you speak unto us, they are spirit and they are life. And I pray that as the word of the Lord goes forth, that your Holy Spirit will breathe upon every person in this place and every person that is viewing via social media. I pray that the word of your grace will minister grace unto the heroes. For You said in Proverbs 4.22, your word is life to those of us who find it and is health to all of our flesh. Let your word produce total well-being in our spirit, mind, and body. You be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. You may be seated. Tell somebody, "Love love brought me back. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was a master storyteller, he had the ability to convey points of spiritual truth through illustrations like the world has never heard. He spoke three parables in our text. He spoke of a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son that had all been recovered by those who loved and cared deeply for those objects of affection. These parables illustrate the love that our Father in heaven has for those of us who are his creation and his children. Because when you possess something or someone of great value, to you and you lose it temporarily, you search for it because you don't desire to live life incomplete without the person or possession that is so dear to you because of the cost and the investment that has been involved. Every effort will be made on your part to retrieve or recover back into your possession what has been lost out of your possession. And every person in this house today needs to know that the Lord will make every effort to bring you unto himself. He does that because he loves you. You are valuable to him as his child, because he wants you to fulfill the purpose in which you were born, which is to complete your life's work for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And he does that through the gifts, anointings, and graces that he has entrusted unto you. And when we look at this story of the lost son, also known as the prodigal, The word prodigal means one who is wasteful or one who squanders valuable possessions. The moment the son requested his inheritance from his father, unknowingly, he was basically betraying his father's name, his father's work, and his father's love. He was lost before he ever left home. Because what he would eventually lose that was more valuable than his inheritance, he lost the revelation of the love that the Father had for him. And every time you lose the revelation of the love that the Father has for you, you are momentarily and temporarily lost. You may be born again, but you are lost in your mindset. You are lost in your mentality. You are lost in your actuality. You are lost in your ability and capacity to remain in fellowship with the Father's love. He desired the father's loot, L-O-O-T. He desired the father's loot, but he despised his father's love. And Jesus said that he went into a far country, a distant or remote land, unfamiliar to him culturally and socially. This was a culture that didn't focus on love, but a culture that focused on lust. Love is about what you give to someone, but lust is about what you can get from someone. So the son became a volunteering victim of a, lust, of a lustful culture because he wasted, he squandered, and scattered his substance. The monetary value of his property, possessions, and estate. And Jesus said that he'd done it on riotous living, which means indulgence or lacking restraint, improper, immoral conduct, recklessly extravagant in the use of resources. And when materialism from God means more to us than the love God has for us, we too will live lives driven by unwise desires rather than wise decisions. He invested the, momentary, the monetary value of his estate into people, places, and things that didn't allow him to reap anything in return. So him wasting his substance on Ryan's living, it wasn't an investment, it was a divestment. Because a lustful culture will only reduce your resources, they will not replenish your resources. The Bible says that there was a famine in the land. Once all his resources were consumed, he experienced scarcity, hunger, and destitution. All of this was forced upon him, and Jesus said that he began to be in want. That word won't is the word hysteria in Greek. It meant that when the famine came, he was inferior in power, rank, and influence. Because when the famine came, he was not able to offset his expenses. Now he's incurring expenses. So without the father's love, Being actively present in his life due to his own departure and his own uh, preoccupation in this lustful culture, he was unable to survive on his own because with the Father's love comes his presence, comes his provision, and comes his protection. Just like we can't survive on our own without the love of our Heavenly Father. Jesus went on to say that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. (laughs) He forced himself upon an unwilling employer who didn't want to hire him. The employer was a Gentile. This young man was a Jew. And this is what happens when we disconnect ourselves from the love of the father we find ourselves in loving in unloving environments that will cause us to do some things that we never said we will do out of desperation just to survive and some of us we know that we are better than our circumstance we know we are better than our choices we know that we are better than our relationships we know that we are better than what we depreciate ourselves to be and it said that he took a job from a Gentile feeding swine he worked a job that was against his convictions and the Jews knew that swine was unclean according to the Levitical law And this was the most degrading occupation that a Jew could ever engage in. So much so until Jesus said that he began to eat the husks that the swine would eat. Eating out of the hog's slop bucket. You see how low our lives can plummet? when we lose a revelation of the love that God has for us. But I want to leave you, leave with you in this message today, there were three ways that the Father's love brought the Son back. Three ways that the Father's love brought the Son back. The first thing that happened, the Son had to rethink about the Father's love. He had to rethink about the Father's love. Now, the word rethink Let me say it like this. The revelation of the father's love he had temporarily lost by lust. But he did regain. He snapped out of his state of indulgence and intoxication. To rethink is to think over and over again with a view of changing. See, We can rethink some things, but if there's no changing, we have to continue to rethink about what we are rethinking about. In other words, you have to keep rethinking until some change takes place. See, because you can rethink, but there's no change. So that means that you haven't thought rethought about it enough. You have to keep rethinking and rethinking and rethinking until a change comes. It lets us know that love never needs to change for us, but we certainly have to change for love. (laughs) It says, and when he came to himself, the son fully admitted to what he was and where he was. He was acting like a slave instead of a son. He forfeited his estate, but when he came to himself, he returned to his original being. He he regained his dignity, his self-worth, his respect for himself. He did that before he ever returned home because he had already been taught this way while he was at home. And sometimes the things that we have been taught and been instructed in why at home, we don't value it until we leave home. You know, because it's hard for you to see the picture when you're in the frame. But when you step out of the frame, you realize how good you had it while you were in the frame. He returned to a place of wisdom when he had previously behaved himself in an unwise fashion. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, it didn't say your child wouldn't depart from you. But he won't depart, He or she won't depart from the teaching that you provided. And sometimes they have to leave home the value, the teaching you gave them while they were at home. <laughs> See, you just have to learn to give it time and let it work on them. Okay, let me read this in the Good News Translation. It says, teach children how they should live. And they will remember it all their life. See, you got to understand, your children are not going to quote your sayings while they're in the house with you. But when they leave, they'll have a recollection. I remember daddy used to say, can I get some help in here? I remember what mama used to say because they don't value the teaching until they're in a lustful culture and environment around unloving people and they have to reinforce those values that you've already placed on the inside of them. Give that teaching time and it's going to work on their behalf. Come on, give God a praise. the Bible says, he said to himself, see, when you come to yourself, you'll begin to talk to yourself about how you haven't been yourself and you need to return to the father's love as yourself. The father accepts you as you are and you need to accept you as you are. This guy was like, hold up, wait a minute, let me put my father's teaching into it. He say, now the men and women that my father employs have bread enough and to spare, they have provision in abundance, and they can give some away to feed others in overflow, something that falls to the lot in large measure to furnish richly. He say, and I perish with hunger. I'm dying from starvation. He said, the men that work for my father are doing better than I am, and I'm his son, and I'm in worse condition because I took my father's love for granted, but no longer. He said, I will take full advantage of the love that the father has provided for me that I blatantly failed to see. And when we take our heavenly father's love for granted, you can't make it on your own. And those who take advantage of of the father's love, their lives will always fare better. He said, I, verse 18, he said, I will arise. I will appear and stand forth, changing my posture and position. And then he said, I will arise and go to my father. I'm going to depart from this pigsty. You know, imagine This young man with the pig pail in his hand, he bangs on the door of the employee's house. The owner comes to the door, and he says to him, he said, here, mister, here's your bucket. I'm going home. The man looks at him up and down with disgust and says, going home, are you? By the sight of you and the smell of you, if I were your father, I'd turn the dogs loose on you. But the son would reply and say, Mister. You don't know my father. (laughs) The son said, I will own up to my irresponsibility because I was allowing your loop to be more important to me than your love. And for that, I'm sorry. This is what he's rehearsing. He recognized how he had failed while away from the father, not while he was with the father. See, when you're with the father, you can't fail. Let me press stop, rewind, and play again. When you're with the Father, you can't fail. Your life is fail-proof when you're with the Father. But when pastor was talking about a few weeks ago, when we alienate ourselves in our minds and we depart from the Father, then failure is inevitable. Because you don't live with a mindset that my Father is going to take care of everything. And I don't have anything. The wor- I don't have anything to worry about. So he came to the place of admittance that his distance from his father brought respect for his father. Space created gratitude. Absence made his heart grow fonder. He said, I, "I I I've sinned. I've missed the all. I've violated the principles that my father taught me." That caused me to stumble. I settled for lust instead of selecting your love. He said, I've sinned against heaven. What he meant by that was he sinned against the divine instructions that his father gave him. He said, and I've sinned against you. I've sinned against you as the instructor. But but here comes the self-deprecation. He said, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Uh, wait, wait, wait now. The son said he wasn't worthy, but the father showed him he was worthy. See, your sonship is not based on your own personal worthiness. Because, you know, we all feel like that we're not where we need to be, but it does not diminish one iota our sonship because we ought to live our lives by how the father views us and not how we view ourselves. Because once a son is always a son. He was unworthy of sonship in his own eyes. He voluntarily alienated from the Father, but the Father was never alienated from him, and it was all in his mind. I say he was momentarily insane in the membrane. (laughs) You're no less a son when you're wrong than when you're right, because once a son, always a son. Because think about it, an unwise son is still a son. Okay, that word son, Paul talked about it in, in Romans 5, and v- various chapters in Romans. The word son or sonship is heuothesia. It's two Greek words. "Huios" means son, "thesia" or thesis or Theos means God. It means that we are sons of God. And when God sees us as sons, he already sees us in a mature state, even though we are in development. He sees us in a mature state while we are yet in development. See, I was born a Callaway. I'm I'm now 50 years, I'm 50 and a half years old, 50.5. Thank you very much. I do look 35, don't I? Thank you very much. Now, I am no more a Callaway now than the moment I was born. I just developed into what it meant to be a Callaway. See, when you were born again, you were born as a son of God. But the father already sees you in a mature state. You are no more a son of God now than the moment Christ was revealed in you. You just had to come into recognition of who you already were that you didn't know you were. So the son said, make me as one of your servants. See, once we're reconnected with God, he, can re- he reconnects us as a son to a father, not a servant to a master. Listen, now that you are a son of God, there will be no demotions. Did you hear what I just said? The son said, I'm going to tell my father to give me a demotion to make me a servant. Once you become a son of God, there are no demotions. There are only promotions. Promotions. So if there there are no demotions with the Father, then you need to stop demoting yourself in your mind. The Father has already promoted us. We're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But many times our problem is from the neck up. We keep demoting ourselves when God has already promoted us. Oh, let me keep pushing. It's almost lunchtime. So the the, the son had to rethink the father's love. The second thing that the son had to do, the son had to return to the father's love. He had to return to the father's love. Now, here in verses 20 and 21, it says, And he arose, he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight, And no more worthy to be called your son. He had to return to the father's love. Now, the word return means to come back to the same place you once left. His determination turned into demonstration. He prepared for his journey back home and proceeded. He was heading toward home. (laughs) Love will always be in the same place you left it. Love never goes anywhere. Love is always stationary. If there's any distance between us and the love of God, we're the ones who moved. So if we have distanced ourselves from the love of God through our own perception and through our own deception that we're not being loved, then it is our responsibility to return to the love of God. And while he was a great way off, Jesus said that the father did five things. So that meant that when the son returned home, he began to encounter grace. All right, here's the five things that the father did. He saw him, had compassion, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. Whenever you turn in the direction of the father, all you will experience is grace. No judgment, no condemnation, no put down, but you have to position yourself uh, spiritually, mentally, physically, and conditionally in the direction of the father. See, the father always sees you. You just need to see him. (laughs) <laughs> and the Lord always sees when you make your way back to his love the Lord is paying attention to you in the direction of your most dominant thought and where your heart has been and you know why the father was watching the son it was because the father knew he had been too good to his son for him to stay away for the rest of his life Because love, Paul said, love never fails. You may fail love, but love will never fail you. Here's the other thing. The father knew that his love was too overwhelming for the son to never come back home. This is why he gave the son the inheritance and let him go. Because you know why? The relationship was more important than the resources because once the resources would run out, the relationship should, would, and could outlast the resources. The son left home temporarily to return to his father's love permanently. The father knew that that love brought him back and he had compassion. The father was moved within his own bowels, the seat of love and pity, his deepest inward affections. The father yearned for his son to be back in fellowship with him. And then it says he he ran. One translation says that the father lifted up his robe and began to run so he wouldn't trip. It's a metaphor for runners in a race to exert oneself, to strive hard to get to the sun. God is always in swift mode to forgive us, and he is in a hurry to rescue us. The father was intentional in welcoming his son back home by moving toward him. But the father... Move toward the Son as the Son begins to turn toward the Father. We don't even see the Father coming until we turn. Until we turn in His direction. Some of us don't see our blessings coming. We don't see our healing coming. We don't see our marriage coming. We don't see our job coming. We don't see our promotion coming. The Father is running toward us. But we won't even see it until we turn. Before we call, he answers. Before we confess our sins, we've been forgiven. Before we return to him, we've already been reinstated. It says he fell on his neck. He stretched out his arms of mercy, embraced his son, and held him in his bosom. And then fifthly, it says he kissed him. The kiss sealed his pardon. And that all was forgiven. Hear this. None of the son's sins would ever be remembered or brought up again in future conversation. The son returning was proof enough for the father. That's why the son didn't have to confess anything. He showed back up. That's all that was necessary. He showed back up. You know why? Because he realized how much he was loved. See, love won't have to have you to explain your actions. And that you don't even have to run towards love, but love would always run towards you. The son was letting the father know. It wasn't the love that I had for you that brought me back, but it was the love that you had for me that brought me back. See, he had to rethink about the father's love. He returned to the father's love. And thirdly, and finally, he was restored by the father's love. Amen. Anybody being helped today? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, l- let me say this. I-, I had this note written down. Remember I told you that the son came to himself? Nobody found the son because the son found himself. When I was coming up in the old church, people say they found the Lord. The Lord won loss. Can I tell you, you didn't find the Lord, you found you. Because Christ was in you. You didn't find the Lord. You found you. You had to dig through all that fake churchified stuff that you had to try to impress people with. And guess what was in there? You were in there all the time. To be restored is to resume to a good condition and position as if nothing had ever changed. The father would hear no such thing as the son repenting of wrongdoing. Now, Lavelle and I, we were talking about this last night. Now, if the father didn't require the son to repent, why do you keep repenting to the Lord? why you keep owning up the stuff you've already been forgiven for the fact that you showed up the father satisfied you don't have to give no speech you don't have to give no spiel you don't have to give no explanation about anything you don't have to give an explanation you showing up is the explanation That was his turning point. When he came to himself, he found himself. And when he turned in the direction of the father, he saw that the father was already moving toward him. The father didn't lecture the son about what he didn't do right. But he capitalized on the fact that the son came home. And knew where he belonged and lavished him with his love. Now, you may not be geared to this, but do you know some parents? They always complain about their children never come home and visit. But when they do, they throw shade on them. Well, look what the wind them blew in. old man, old woman, you ought to be glad that I showed up. You've been complaining. Isn't that amazing? Some people complain about you not coming to see them and then when you show up, they still talk negative. Look like they ought to be glad to see your face. Oh, that one hit kind of hard, didn't it? So when the sun showed up, The father didn't complain. He was just glad that the son showed up. He knew the son knew where he belonged. And the father lavished him with his love. The father asked for no explanation. Neither did he condemn his son for wrongdoing. Where have you been? What did you do? How much money did you spend? Why do you look, oh my God, why do you smell like that? (laughs) The far country had stripped him down to nothing. And the last thing he needed was for his father to strip him of the dignity he had left. The father gave the son power to renew his strength, recover from ruin and decay. The father interrupted and ignored his son's speech to let him know he had never lost his place. The son just had a greater appreciation for what it meant to be the father's son. And and this is what the Lord revealed to me by the Holy Ghost. He said that if the father would have allowed the son to finish his speech, the son would have trusted in his own righteousness. The son would have became self-righteous. I came to myself and I decided I was going to come home and I decided I was going to do this. And the father interrupted him because his repentance wasn't necessary. Because he had returned. And therefore he was restored. Romans 10:3 says, "For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they go about and seek to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. See, when people don't turn in the direction of the Father, they start making up their own stuff. So the father wouldn't allow the son to finish his repentance, not to give the son any ideas that he had to do something to earn his father's love because he had already been restored by the father's love. See, what God is concerned about with his church, he now wants us to focus on necessary things. Anything that's unnecessary in our worship, in our preaching, in our globalization of the gospel, we need to throw it out the window and we need to focus on the necessary things. Remember when... Paul and Barnabas and the other Gentiles, how they went out on their apostolic journey, they started winning Gentiles to the Lord, and then they met with James and the rest of the apostles in Jerusalem. They they drafted a letter and sent it to the Gentile church and told them they only needed to focus on necessary things. You know, don't don't fornicate, don't idolate, don't eat meat strangled with blood. We've got to learn to focus on the necessary things. A lot of times we've wasted time and we've taken up space because we focus on ness- unnecessary things. Things. But the message we're preaching concerning the grace of God, preaching conclude inclusion, preaching the love of God, we have to focus on the necessary things so people can find themselves turn in the direction of the Father, rethink about his love, return to his love, and therefore they will experience restoration of his love. The Son, if the Son would have finished his speech, he would have established his own righteousness. We have to understand that when the Father requested for the robe to be put on the Son, the best robe, it means excellent above all others. <laughs> to carry out on display for all to see. And the role represents the righteousness of Jesus Christ that we as believers don't receive by our doing, but by his doing. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21 says that God made Jesus. To be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made. The righteousness of God in him. We are in a state that we've been approved of God, which helps us to think correctly, feel correctly and act correctly like sons of God. So the father wants the son to know I have you covered. That's what the robe is for. Now listen, listen now. I'm gonna tell you what. The, when you when you read the scripture, not only do you focus on what's said, but you have to focus on on what wasn't said. The father did not say, "Y'all go bathe them." Go bathe them. Nope. The father took the robe and put the robe on top of all the filth. I feel like running, but I may catch a cramp. (laughs) He covered all that he had experienced in the far country. Because once he put the robe on him, what he had been exposed to in the far country could no longer be seen again. Then, he said, put a ring on his hand. The ring represents authority given by the father. And scholars tell us that the ring bore the crest of his father's house. So once he went out in public, and people saw his ring, they knew where the sun came from. See, because whenever you wear a a ring from any educational institution, a lot of times people they start twisting it and looking at it and they want to read what university or college you matriculated from. In other words, they want to know the source of your authority. What gives you the right to wear it. And people saw the crest of the Father's house. See, your authority comes from the Father's house. That's why you're able to preach the gospel. That's why you're able to get people healed. That's why you're able to get people delivered. That's why you're able to help people get freedom because you want an authority that has been vested in you from the Father's house. So whatever belonged to the son, whatever belonged to the father belonged to the son. The ring was like a credit card. Anything he wanted, he could obtain it in his father's name. Then he says, put shoes on his feet. Shoes denote ownership. Because under the old covenant, there were shoe covenants. Whenever land was was. was sold or transferred, the man that owned the land, he would take his right shoe off and transfer it over to the other man who was purchasing the property. Because, you know, that's what Boaz did with the kinsman redeemer in order to marry Ruth. And that's why he said put shoes on his feet, because shoes represent ownership, because slaves were barefooted and did not wear shoes. Because the son, when he came back home, He had been reduced to the condition of a slave, but he still had the position of a son. If I have the position of a son, I have no business living like the condition of a slave. And the father said, we got to change this quick, fast and in a hurry. He did not say, wash my son's feet. He didn't say, call for the pedicurists. <laughs> he didn't say, get rid of those coins and bunions on his feet. He said, but put the shoes on them. He didn't say, y'all wash his hands because his fingernails are so dirty. From being in the mud. And chasing swine down. They put the ring on his finger, put the shoes on his feet. See, and then he said, and kill the fatted calf. The fatted calf represented covenant celebrated by feasting. The calf had been stall-fed, long reserved for a special occasion. The father said, kill it. So that the son could be completely satisfied with the best that the father had to offer for his return. And he let his father know, love brought me back. Not my love for you, but your love for me. Can I tell you, the father's love is not about us, but it's about him. First John chapter 4 verse 19 says, we love him because. He first loved us. Listen, we couldn't love the father unless he put the love in our hearts in order to love him back with. The killing of a fatted calf just wasn't a feast for the son, but it was a festival for the family. A feast will last for one day, but a festival will last for several days. He said, let us eat and be merry. Let us be in a celebratory frame of mind. It's time to celebrate. You should celebrate finding yourself. You should celebrate when your brothers and sisters find themselves. He said, for this my son was dead. He was destitute of a life where he didn't recognize and devote himself to my love. But he's alive again. He's regained his strength and vigor. He has recovered his life. He was lost. He was misdirected. But now he's found. He has regained the right path. And I love this. It says, and they begin to make merry, to take part in another's joy. We ought to be glad and delighted when we see others return mentally and in actuality to the love that the Father has for us. And it's going to free so many people in their hearts and in their minds when they understand that this love was never about them, but it was always about the Father. Give God a praise. Stand with me. We're going to pray. How many of you all receive this word today? You simply have to receive the love that has already been provided for you. We just have to rethink, return, and you will experience the manifestation of the restoration. Listen, you were not restored You were not restored when you left home. You were restored when you even thought about leaving. You had already separated, alienated yourself. And when that happened, restoration was already put in place. But it was something that you had to come into realization and recognition of. Let's look to the Lord. Father, thank you today for your word and all my precious brothers and sisters in this sanctuary and uh, those who are um, listening on all digital platforms. I pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate and enlighten every heart and mind and make this truth plain and clear to us concerning the love that you have for us, and it's not based on our performance or our confession or our repentance. You already knew that when we distance ourselves from you that we would return because you loved us so abundantly so lavishly until you knew for us it would be simply irresistible and we had to come to ourselves we had to snap out of whatever it was we were in when we were a part of that lustful culture in a far country thank you for making this truth real to us that it will become a revelation to us and we'll live our lives moving forward in a position of a son and no longer in a condition of a slave we give you praise for the work that will be wrought in the lives of your people through this word. In the days, months, and weeks to come. To you be glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Come on, give them a praise. <laughs> Pastor Johanna, is she in the house? Come on, the elders close out for me. I need to get to the book table. God bless you all. We love you. Y'all have a good day. We out.